Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. Good. As we still say in Hawaii, 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 Hawaii. <laughs> Romans chapter number nine. We left off in Romans chapter nine, verse 23, but I want to I'm gonna back up out a little bit. Let's have a word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for this day, Lord. Thank you, Father, for the prayers we have, Lord, to study your word, Father. Pray your best of lesson in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's look at verse number 22 again. I neglected this last week as I kind of went through my notes and bypassed some stuff. Verse 22 says, what if God? That sounds like a question, doesn't it? What if? What if thus and so? What if this happened? So Paul says, what if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted for destruction, semicolon, still same, same sentence here, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory, comma, verse 24, even us whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but of uh, the Gentiles, question mark. So that's all. That whole thing, those three verses is a question. What if God, willing to show, you know, long-suffering and mercy on the Jews, all of a sudden stopped? They were vessels of... Uh, of dishonor. So that's that's where we're at today. Israel, I, I mean, and I don't mean, boy, <laughs> he's like a remnant back there, didn't he? Uh, Israel. <laughs> what are we talking about that today? So, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Uh, so we, we mentioned last week that Israel was fitted for destruction. Why? Because uh, they rejected Moses, they uh, rejected, um, they murmured against him, they despised manna, they despised everything, they chased other gods, they were adulterous, they, they uh, disobeyed God, didn't want God. So finally God said, okay. The Messiah finally came, gospels being preached to the Gentiles now, and God says, like I said last week, I don't need them anymore. They don't have a purpose anymore. He still loves them. He still wants them to get saved, but he, what they were supposed to be doing, they didn't do. We'll talk about what they were supposed to have been doing here in a bit when we Amen. get to that. So Israel had rejected Moses. They're steeped in idolatry. They killed God's prophets, despised God's mercies, and they killed and rejected the Messiah. So in verse number 22, uh, 21, he said, the potter has power over the clay. And God, as the potter, he's not just a potter. He made the clay. So he had absolute power over uh, the clay, over Israel. So verse 23, and that he might be made known to riches of the glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory. So the destruction of Israel, and we're going to get to that in just a few minutes, was delayed until the right time. God had things in motion that were going to happen. He had things running simultaneously at the same time. Okay, Things were working around, and the time was coming up, coming real close. God delayed the destruction until things were set. The Messiah had come. Gospel was out there. People were preaching it. Okay, So God delayed the destruction, first to show his wrath, and second, to make his power known. 
and, and to, make us, uh, to make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy. What are the vessels of, the mer of uh, mercy? Who are they? Vessels of mercy. Who were they? The, the church. Vessels of mercy. <coughs> the Christian church that consisted of a remnant of the Jews, true Jews, true uh, believers, and Gentiles, the true church. Okay? That's what God called the vessels of mercy. The Jews were fitted for destruction. They were ready. They were, it was prime time. This was going to be the end. Okay? So he had to wait, Jesus did, God did, until the time when the gospel started to be propagated and spread out and broadcasted. It had to get out there. And, and who was the first preachers? The Jews were. They're the first preachers, okay? But Gentiles started getting saved. What church we're talking about right now, Rome, consisted of Jews and Gentiles, okay? So it was getting out there. The gospel was getting out there to everybody. Uh, Paul wrote many epistles to the Gentiles, Gentile churches, okay? Therefore, the Jewish state, under all its corruption, was going to be preserved until the right time. And we're approaching that right now. The gospel had to take some deep root here before God could, could do what he had to do. And that's what he, what he did. Verse 24, even us whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. So that, that concludes the long question. What if God did this and did this? Would anybody wonder about that? Would anybody question why he did that? God had been long suffering. How many of you are long-suffering? I suffer a long time, but I'm not a long-suffering. I don't have a lot of patience. I mean, I want things done. I was not fun at work. I would not want to work for me because, you know, he plays this engine about lunchtime. I go, how come this thing isn't done? What's going on here? What's, what's happening? You have a, something you're, what's the constraint here? What's going on? It takes time, Kurt. Yes, yes, we have that. Come on, let's go. I would not like to work for me because I'm always walking down the floor and, you know, what are you guys talking about? Talking about this engine. Don't talk about it. Pull it out. You know, I just, I just don't like, you know, I'm not very patient. Yeah. So the question in, in verse 22 there was, who would think it extraordinary or something to wonder about if God would at last... After all these years, reject the nation that had rejected him. Something was going to happen, and people are going to say, oh, that's why it happened. You can look back not too far uh, in their history. They rejected Christ. They disobeyed God. So Paul, through the book of the rest of this chapter, um, uh, cites a lot of Old Testament prophecy it prophesied exactly what was going to happen, and it happened. So we're going to look at some of these. This was all foretold by the prophets. Verse number 25. As he saith also in Osi, I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which was not beloved. Osi is Hosea. Let's turn back to Hosea, chapter number 2. Hosea is right after Daniel. And Daniel's right in front of Hosea. 
help you out here a little bit. Now hang on to Hosea for a little bit. We've got a couple more verses to look at, so kind of hang on to it. But Hosea chapter twenty, uh, chapter two, verse twenty-three. Hosea chapter two, verse twenty-three. And I will sow her unto me in the earth, and I will have mercy upon her that had not obtained mercy. And I will say unto them which were not my people, Thou art my people, and they shall say. Thou art my God. Who's he talking about? Israel. Talking about Gentiles. Look at this. I will sow unto her, I will sow unto me in the earth, and have mercy upon her that had not obtained mercy. The Gentiles had not, hadn't obtained mercy. They were steeped in idolatry. They were uh, in bad shape. They didn't have, you know, God didn't reveal himself. They didn't have the law. They didn't have anything. And I will say to them, which were not my people, the Gentiles were not God's people, that, they, that thou art my people. Now you are my people. And they'll say, you are my God. So there's prophesied back in Hosea that God was going to reach out to the Gentiles. Hold, hold your place here in uh, Hosea, just a book. I've got more verses to look at. So this, this verse can, understand, can be understood no way, uh, no other way except God promised that the Gentiles would finally become God's people, part of God's people. In these next few verses, we'll see that it was prophesied that Israel was going to reject the Messiah. Verse 26, And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. Look at Hosea chapter 1, verse 10. I didn't keep my place in Hosea. I should have. Hosea chapter 1 and verse number 10. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea. We read that back in Genesis. Which cannot be measured nor numbered. And it shall come to pass. There's going to be a change. Something's going to happen. It shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, the Gentiles, ye are not my people, there it shall be said unto them, ye are the sons of the living God. Amen. So there's a major change happening here. Amen. Israel numbered as the sands of the sea, but God's going to reject them. And he's going to turn to those that didn't have God, and God didn't love them like he did Israel. They weren't God's chosen people. He's going to say, you are the sons of God. Amen. Let's go a little further. So this prophecy uh, is clear. It's a clear promise of the coming of the Gentiles into the relationship of God as sons. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 5. Ephesians <laughs> chapter 1, verse 5. Ephesians 1.5, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. This is not uh, predestinated to salvation. What is it predestinated? Before the world was created, God's plan, predestinated, God's plan was to allow the Gentiles to be the sons of God. That was planned before the earth was. That was predestined. Amen. Not salvation. 
but the adoption predestined unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. They're the sons of God now. Amen. They were adopted. Okay? That's what that means. <clears throat> Hosea prophesied this event to occur in the future. Now, under the preaching of the gospel, it had already begun to be fulfilled. It was already happening. And the epistles of the Romans were, was proof that the Gentiles and the Jews were in church together. Right. They were worshiping God together. The Gentiles were the sons of God, the same as the saved Jews were. Amen. Okay? So it seems incredible to me that back then, all these Jewish leaders had this prophecy. They had the book. They had the law. They had the Old Testament. They had this information. Right. Didn't read it. Didn't believe it. Mm -hmm. Didn't want it. And they were just blind. And this thing's taking place right in front of their eyes. This big change right in front of their eyes and they're blind. It reminds me of a nation I know. <laughs> Anyways. So Paul continues to show them more prophecy. Now, we're going to look at this other prophecy here in a minute, but I'm going to take a little side trip here. I'm going to chase a rabbit that I, I think needs to be eliminated. Yeah, let me know rapid. <laughs> um, it needs to be talked about, I think, now. And I was thinking about the other day, you know, I, I talk about the Jews and how, how disobedient they were and everything, you know, and all their faults, but I love the Jews. Yes. Amen. I wish they'd get saved. Yes. The nation's not going to get saved, but individual Jews, I wish they'd get saved. God loves them still. Right. There is a doctrine, there is a belief around and I've been in churches where this has been propagated, been preached about, uh, not against, but about, called replacement theology. And I'm going to discuss that a little bit this morning here. Replacement theology has its roots back in the second century A.D. It's been around for a while. Replacement theology, which is also called supersessionism, it essentially teaches that the church has replaced Israel. I've been in churches where they preach that. And the Jewish people uh, have been replaced by the church. So believers in this theology believe that the Jews are no longer God's chosen people and God does not have any specific future plans for them. And Israel plays no role in current world affairs. This belief is that whenever the New Testament mentions Israel, it's talking about the church. This belief stems from the idea that uh, due to Jews' rejection of the Messiah, they forfeited their promises from God. Their three main principles are the Jews are no longer the chosen people. The church has replaced them. After Pentecost, wherever the New Testament mentions Israel, it is actually referring to the church. The church is spiritual Israel, and Jews are Gentiles who are inner Jews. I don't understand what that means. But they've transferred us to the Jews and the Jews to the Gentiles. The Mosaic Covenant was replaced by the New Covenant, and the Abrahamic Covenant was completely abolished. That's not true. Amen. Therefore, the New Covenant, through <coughs> Jesus superseding Israel replaces the Old Covenant. So all this is wrong. This is false. That's right. 
We've been told us, we've been in churches where they've told us, you're spiritual Jews, you, Israel's gone, God's gotten rid of them, the church is Israel. We, we've been there, some churches we've been in, a couple. This is very dangerous, this, this teaching, this error. That's right. The Jews were considered by these folks as Christ killers. They are anti-Semitic. They are against the Jews. They make God out to be a liar because he changed his mind about Israel's promises. That's blasphemy. That's wrong. Israel wasn't replaced. It continues to exist. God established the state of Israel. The Jews have survived thousands of years with many, many attempts to wipe them out. And they're still here. That's right. Against all odds, the state of Israel was established in 1948 and continues to thrive, even though she's surrounded by her enemies. The nation is not going to get saved, but God opens the door for individual Jews, just like He does for Gentiles. Amen. So this is a dangerous uh, uh, philosophy. Israel is still God's chosen people. Right. He still loves them. The Gentiles did not replace the Jews in promises or prophecy. The Gentiles, and we'll see this in chapter 11, have been added in. We didn't replace anybody. We were grafted in. We'll see in chapter 11. We were added to, not replaced. We were added to. God opened up uh, the gospel to the Gentiles. We were added. Okay, that's the important thing to understand about all this. Isaiah also cried out concerning Israel. Let's look at verse 27-28. I can find my place again. There we go. 27-28. Isaiah also crieth concerning Israel, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because a short work will the, Lord, will the Lord make upon the earth. What are we talking about here? Though the people of Israel be a sand of the sea, yet a remnant. There's always been a remnant. The Jews have almost been eliminated uh, several times. They've been captured. They lost ten tribes. They've been in captivity, they've been. There's always been a remnant. What's a remnant? A small group. There's always been a remnant. So there's a remnant here. <clears throat> Israel was going to be destroyed in A.D. 70. It was going to happen. It was fixed in God's mind. It was going to happen. It was the right time, and it happened. Israel, as a state, ceased to exist, and for 1,900 years. They were all over the world. They didn't have a home until they became a state back in 1948. So let's look at Isaiah chapter number uh, 10 for a second here. Isaiah chapter number 10. Verses 22 and 23. Isaiah chapter 10, verses 22 and 23. 
For though my people Israel be as the sand of the sea, yet a remnant of them shall return. What happens to the rest of them? They're gone. The consumption, <clears throat> consumption decreed shall overflow with righteousness. For the Lord of God of hosts shall make a consumption. Even determined in the midst of all of the land. Or of all the land. There's going to be a consumption. Where's that, what does that mean to you? Consumed. People are going to be gone. People are going to be des destroyed. There's going to be a consumption. This was back in Isaiah. There's going to be a consumption. So there was only going to be a remnant that was going to be saved. Going to be preserved. There's always a remnant. We'll talk a little bit more about AD 70 here in just a second, but after AD 70, when over a million Jews were killed, and it was 100,000 of them taken prisoner, some escaped, they scattered, they're gone everywhere. There was a remnant left. World War II killed how many Jews? Six to seven hundred uh, million. Did they all get killed? No. There was a remnant. That's what made the state of Israel the new one. The remnant. God always left a remnant. So A.D. 70, actually, uh, this is called the Jewish Wars, actually began in uh, A.D. 66. Jews were starting to rebel against the Romans. They didn't like it. Starting to rebel. And they were revolting against Rome's authority. So it came down to pass in A.D. 70 that the Jews brought a 24,000 man army to a 30,000 man fight and they lost they were destroyed they were wiped out they were defeated over a million Jews were killed this was right during the Passover now all these visitors were there people got killed right. taken prisoner they fled that's why we see you know there's Russian Jews there's Jews everywhere in the world mm -hmm. they fled they scattered they left And it would be 1,900 years before they had a home again. Why? That's the consumption we're talking about here. God was going to judge them. They rejected me. I've long suffered. It came to a time where my plan's got to go forth. Gospel is out. It's being spread. People are getting saved. The Jews are still rejecting me. They're rejecting the gospel. They're rejecting the Savior. The time is right, and this is when it happened. And there's lots of, I read a lot of uh, Josephus, and you know they were saying that they set the temple on fire and it burned so hot, they stole all the stuff out of the temple and sent it up back to Rome. All the, all the uh, valuables in the temple were just stolen. They burned the temple. They had a lot of gold in there. They started to seep through the mortar, and they were, they were taking the bricks apart to get the gold out. That's why there's no, not one stone standing upon another. Because there was gold that melted in through the mortar on the outside, and they saw the gold, they just started knocking the walls down and taking the bricks apart. That's why there wasn't any walls standing. They just they were after that gold, and they found some, I guess. So, that prophecy became true. Yeah. So this fact fitted into Paul's conclusion that simply being a Jew 
was insufficient for salvation. Just being a Jew wasn't going to get you saved. He'd been saying that. He shows it by the destruction of Israel. Just being a Jew doesn't make you saved. Amen. And there's going to be a remnant saved, and that's what was left, a remnant. Look at verse 28. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness because of a, because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. When God judges something, he's quick at it. This thing happened very fast. It was over and done. It happened. It was immediate. God did his judgment, and it was done. And then what was left was the remnant. Because they rejected God for so long, and he gave them so many opportunities to come back and to restore the fellowship and the relationship, they kept ignoring him and pushing him off. God had to judge. God had to do what he had to do. So it's the ruin and desolation of the whole house of Israel, except for a small remnant. And it was God's righteous judgment. It was the consumption decreed. Something major was going to happen, and it did. The whole house of Israel was, was rejected from the covenant of God and consumed and dispersed. They were everywhere, except for a small remnant. Look at verse 29. And Isaiah said before, Except the Lord of Sabaoth hath left us a seed, we had been as Sodom, and had been made like unto Gomorrah. Paul quotes, Paul quotes Isaiah 1.9, where he says, you know, unless the Lord left us a seed, we'd be like Sodom and Gomorrah. What happened to those two towns? They were flattened. They were destroyed. The Lord of Sabaoth means the Lord of hosts. When you see the Lord of hosts, that means something very, very powerful. That's talking about the God of the universe. We think of God, but Lord of hosts, that means he's in charge of many things. Maybe many angels, maybe many uh, large army, whatever it is, that's numerous things. And it ends up where he's the Lord of the universe. But except he left us a remnant, a precious seed, which is a remnant of chosen people, Israel would have, would have been just like Sodom and Gomorrah. When's the last time you planned a vacation to Sodom or Gomorrah? <laughs> they don't exist anymore. That's right. Can't get a ticket there. When you walk, if you get there, there's nothing there to see. Just, just, a, just a plane. There's nothing there. Verse number 30 and 31. What shall we say then that the Gentiles, which followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even in righteousness, which is of faith. But Israel, which followed after right, the law of the righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. There's, there's two verses here. What do we say? The Gentiles that followed not after righteousness, the Gentiles weren't saved. They didn't have the gospel until now. They weren't saved. They, didn't have, they weren't God's chosen. They had, they had nothing except their idols and their own you know, they, they were in bad shape. The Gentiles had nothing. But they followed not after righteousness, and they've attained to righteousness. Even the righteousness which is of faith. Amen. Something incredible is happening here. The Gentiles, whose history had been one long, miserable story of depravity, godlessness, shame, 
to whose uh, uh, debased condition Paul is very, uh, uh, I can't the word, but he's, he's very mild on them, calls them, uh, you know, they're not after righteousness. They were terrible. They were, they, were, they were bad. But the Gentiles had by their belief in the gospel and their acceptance of Jesus Christ had attained unto righteousness, not by works. But verse 31, but Israel, which followed after the law of works, the law of righteousness, works, hath not obtained to the law of righteousness. On the other hand, Israel, despite their possession of the law of Moses and their pride and all their privileges, all their entitlements as a covenant people, all the things that they had that God gave them, here talking about them following after a law of righteousness, did not obtain to righteousness because they were following the law. Israel failed to attain by their own works any acceptable degree of God to live in. They did not find righteousness in following the law. This is an example of God's sovereignty. God changed things around, made this major change. The nation of Israel was following after the righteousness of the law. We have the law. God instead gave it to the Gentiles who weren't even looking for it. They weren't seeking God. They didn't, they didn't think about things. God gave it to them. God opened it up to them. God offered it to them, and they took it. Amen. <clears throat> the thing to view here, I guess, is Israel and their rejection of Christ and their refusal to accept God's mercy through loving, obedient faith. Israel as a nation was cut off from being God's people. As far as what their job was, what they were supposed to be doing. Talk about that in just a second or two or three, maybe next week. A couple seconds next week. Of course, any individual Jew at any time could be saved. Who is a good example of that? Paul. That's right. That's right in my notes. Thank you. Paul. <laughs> Paul was a great example. Paul was a Jew. That's right. He got saved. And he could give his testimony. Okay? Verse number 32. Wherefore? Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at the stumbling stone. Yeah. It was as it were by works. Look at verse 11 again, back in the same chapter here. This is exactly what he said back then. For the children being not yet born, neither having done anything good or evil, that for the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. He talks about of works. We're talking about their descendancy from Abraham. They think they're entitled to salvation. Their fleshly descendancy. That's what they're banking on. We're from Abraham. We discussed Abraham a while back. But they were, they were basing their things on works. And this is the very thing Paul had been writing out throughout this, this whole portion of Romans, that the Jews think they have salvation through fleshly descendancy from Abraham. That's not true. And we discussed that. The law of God given through Moses is precisely what they did not keep. They didn't keep the law. 
They relate solely on their being a Jew. They stumbled at the stumbling stone. They rejected Christ, verse 33. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. This stumbling stone, this rock of offense. Uh, look at Isaiah 28. This again is, is prophecy. Isaiah 28, verse number 16. Isaiah 28, 16. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Turn back to Isaiah chapter number 8, verse 14. Isaiah 8, 14. And he that shall be for uh, a sanctuary, but for a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both houses of Israel, for a gin and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. A stumbling stone is mentioned in both of these passages. A stone, a stumbling stone. God prophesied, told them this was going to happen. I'm going to give them a Messiah and they're going to stumble over it. This is a prediction. Israel would not accept Jesus. Both houses would reject him. Not only a rock of stumbling and offense, but a gin and a snare. What's a gin and a snare? I'll tell you. A gin and a snare is a trap. That's an old-timey trap where they had some horse hair and they had a, a trap and a snare. And, a, and that was called a trap. If you read your Gospels, you'll see that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and the lawyers and the, tried to trap Jesus in his speech. They'd ask him questions thinking that they were going to get some answer they could make an accusation of. They tried that a lot. That's a trap and a snare. They got trapped in their own trap. They were trying to trap Jesus, have him say something wrong. Didn't happen. Amen. Never happened. They themselves were ensnared. They were taken. They were convicted. They were confounded. And most of all, they were silenced. There's a verse, again, which gospel was, they didn't ask him any more questions after that. Amen. You know, they got smart and said, you know what? <laughs> we can't beat this guy. We can't beat Jesus. We can't get him trapped. Amen. He always snares us instead, and we look pretty stupid doing that. So they decided, there were no more questions to Jesus. <laughs> you know, what took you so long? What were the Jews offended at? And what did they stumble over? I'll give you a, a little list here. His birth and parentage. They accused Jesus being a, a, a son of fornication. That's bad. His descendancy from poor parents. They didn't like that. What were they expecting in the Messiah? Somebody coming here in a, you know, like the, the golden carriage with People running before and behind and everywhere. That's what they were. Look, a limousine, a limo carriage, whatever it was. And they were waiting for that to happen and, and Jesus to walk out a bit in all of his kingly attire. That didn't happen. That's right. They stumbled at, well, he came from a poor family. 
They didn't like the appearance of him and his disciples. They were his regular guys. What were they? Fishermen. Fishermen. They were kind of rough. Yeah. Rough guys. They stumbled over the obscurity of his kingdom. They couldn't point to it and say, this is my kingdom on a map. Where's his kingdom at? It's not here. Talked about his kingdom. Not of this world. Not observable. Amen. The company he kept. What did he keep company with? Sinners. That's right. Not the Pharisees. Whenever he was around them, he didn't speak very nice to them. He spoke the truth to them. So he liked the, they liked the company he kept. He just was sinners and publicans. And the audience that attended his teachings, regular folks. Yep. Regular folks. They didn't accept his, his doctrine, didn't like his miracles that, that made them stumble. They couldn't deny that they happened, if you read your Gospels. We can't deny that it happened. What do we do? I mean, it happened. This guy can talk and walk now, and he didn't, wasn't able to before. What do we do about that? Just be quiet. We'll catch him. Yeah. You know? They stumbled over his manner of death. Why would he stumble over that? He died because of what they accused him of was treason. The Jews wanted to kill him for blasphemy, but they couldn't. They wanted him to die by the Romans, so they accused him of treason, of usurping his name over the king's name. So then it was treason. They could do it that way, and that's what they did. But they stumbled over him. And they stumbled over one word. One word. That the preachers were preaching that went against the law. Starts with a G. Nope. Who said that? Grace. That's right, Tim. Grace. Grace went against the law. Grace was a bad word. They were disgusted by the gospel. The word which Christ and his apostles preached did not please them. This word was grace. Why? Because grace contradicted their law. Grace contradicted their preconceived opinions. Grace contradicted their rituals and their ceremonies. Grace entirely abolished the law and took any man anywhere from anywhere, no matter who they are, Amen. and would provide them salvation if they accepted Christ as their Savior. Grace. They didn't use the law of Moses, they were preaching grace, faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. This is the word of universal grace, which the Jews stumbled at. I've got a couple of minutes. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We'll look at this real quick and then we'll, then we'll stop. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. First Corinthians 1. Almost got it. Verse number 18. Let's read a few verses here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the, the wisdom of this, this world? 
After that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Amen. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, and the Jews a stumbling block into the Greeks' foolishness. The apostles and other people that were preaching were preaching the word of God. And they were spreading this thing called grace. This is what, it doesn't matter what you've done or who you are, where, where you're from. God will save you if you just accept him by faith. Next week we'll start chapter number 10. And we'll, uh, we'll see you then, I guess. Let's say a word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for the lesson. Father, pray God you bless our services to follow. Pray God you bring visitors, Father, today. And Bless the service in Jesus' name. Amen.